to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Now, here's your host, founder and CEO of Rogue Preparedness, Morgan. Hello, hello, everyone. Morgan here, and thank you so much for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. So if you're listening to this in order, you know, and this has come out in live, then I do want to say that I apologize. My podcasts do normally come out on Friday or Saturday, but you know, with everything going on with the coronavirus and some personal issues, um, a lot of things have just been kind of jumbled. I started my daily YouTube back. So if you're not subscribed to my YouTube, just search uh, Rogue Preparedness on YouTube in the YouTube search bar. And you can subscribe there. I do a daily video where I talk about a different topic every single day. And I am going to be talking about this topic on my YouTube, um, but uh, I also have two blog posts about um, alternatives to biotic, uh, antibiotics and alternatives to antivirals um, on my blog post. Uh, so if you want to go check those out. Anyway, um, first of all, I do want to check in on you guys. How are you guys doing with all of this? with sheltering in place, with a lot of people losing their jobs, people are losing their apartments. They're actually being evicted right now because they can't pay their rent because they don't have a job. Mortgage companies, you know, cable bills. uh, I've heard of a lot of um, even car payment companies, you know, they're even able to find reprise by calling them and saying, hey, you know, because of everything going on, do you think you could give me like a little month leeway or something? And most of them are saying, yeah, sure. So I do want to throw that out there. If you're in a bind and you do not have the funds, first of all, stop paying unnecessary stuff. Like stop paying phone, internet, cable, stop paying those things. Um you at least have a few months before they'll really cut you off. Okay. And then you can try to catch up later. I normally really don't advise this because catching up can be really hard. I've actually let bills go. You know, I've let credit, credit card bills go. I've let a lot of bills go when I was really down and out, um, in my younger years. And, uh, you know, it can really bite you. Um, you know, try not to let your electricity go, But, you know, try to let other things go and then try to use less of certain things like use less electricity, use less water, you know, um, and just just use less of stuff. So you're not spending as much money on electricity or you're not spending as much money on water and and so on. Um, So, you know, let your cable go. You know, if if you can use if you have, most of us have smartphones and if you have a smartphone, you know, you can use pretty much everything with your smartphone. You know, you have internet on there, you know, you can text and call and all that. So if, you know, if you have like a separate phone or something, go ahead and give that up. Another truly unfortunate impact of this is so many businesses are actually shutting down, especially small businesses. You know, larger corporations, um, they get bailouts. And, but not only that, they tend to last a little bit longer because, you know, they'll have stockholders or whatever the case may be, right? Um, a lot of businesses are shutting down. I've seen a lot of people say, I've had to shut down my business and I've had to, you know, let go of 200, you know, plus employees or more, you know, because of this. Now, whether they're shutting down permanently or temporarily, that's something else to be seen as well. You know, the economy is on a downturn, so that's, 
unfortunate, you know, and, and it's going to take a while to get back. So here's my prediction. I usually don't like doing predictions, but a lot of experts have been saying that this will, that normalcy will start to get, that everything will start to get back to normal around May or June. Um, and when I say back to normal, I mean people going back to work, you know, no more shelter in place, lockdowns, etc. Um, after that, we still have a long haul of recovery, of our economy recovering. You know, this is not just a quick, you know, bounce back, you know, once the shelter in place, so everything's back to normal. Unfortunately, that's not happening. And something that's even more disturbing and unfortunate is that there was actually a bill um, put on the table to Congress um, that would be a stimulus package for the people, individuals, you, me, you know, not corporations. It was a bill that said that we're that they were going to give one or two checks directly to Americans. You know, like it was like a, I think it was the max was like a thousand or two thousand dollars or something. Just kind of depended on it. What it was going to be ranged based on how much you made, whether you had children or not. So they were going after 2018 taxes because nobody's filed to from you know 2019. Anyway, so they're going off of 2018 taxes, um, which I know that the tax season isn't over for 2019. You know, many people haven't filed their taxes, but I'm over here like, you know, we filed our taxes, you know, end of January as soon as we possibly could because, um, you know, we didn't, we want our, you know, taxes done. We don't want to, you know, have that looming over our heads until the last possible day. I'm not sure why people do that. Anyway, you know, it's 2019. It's not like you're calculating 2000, you know, 2020 taxes. Anyway, I digress. Um, these are difficult times and I hate to say it, but I think that we're going to be struggling for a little while longer. And there could also be a second wave of COVID. And we have to be, we have to continue being cautious. We have to continue washing our hands. We have to continue using sanitizer. We have to continue, um, not necessarily maybe social distancing, but we do have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves health-wise. And we have to make sure that, you know, we're preventing illness by continuing to be germaphobes, basically. And I really hope that that is the biggest lesson that people have taken away here. I mean, you can prevent the cold, flu, everything by just ex being extreme germaphobes. And I think that that's something a lot of people have a hard time coming to terms with. And it's just all about habit. You know, it's about habit of, uh, you know, if you sneeze, you know, put some hand sanitizer on or sneeze in your, in your elbow, um, you know, it's just certain things like that. So I think that we really, really need to continue to be germaphobes long after this. If that's the only lesson you take from this, take the germaphobe lesson. <laughs> and also, you know, even if we are germaphobes and we try to eat healthy, exercise, you know, get our, our immune system boosted as best we can, there's a lot of people who do still have compromised immune systems. So we can't just think about ourselves. We do have to think about others, you know, about spreading, you know, colds and flus and viruses, you know, and bacteria and whatever, because we just have to be mindful of other people, you know, just because they have to go to the grocery store still doesn't mean that they want to get sick because, you know, you sneezed into your hand and now you're touching everything with your, you know, 
<laughs> bacteria or virus filled hand that, you know, you're now touching everything with, you know, I mean, it takes so little for us to transfer bugs between each other, you know, especially in very dense cities and things like that. So anyway, um, I do want to talk about alternatives to antibiotics and antivirals. And in general, I want to talk about antibiotics and antivirals. I think a lot of people get confused about antibiotics. Antibiotics are kind of thrown around for everything. Um, doctors tend to just throw antibiotics at everything. They're like, well, you got a sinus infection? Let's give you some antibiotics. Well, you got a you, you got a little cough, let's give you some antibiotics, you know, but the, the thing is, antibiotics are not necessarily always the best choice. And when I'm talking about antibiotics, I'm talking about synthetic antibiotics, the antibiotics that are given by prescription from a pharmaceutical company by a doctor, right? Those are the type of um, antibiotics that I'm talking about. So there are many, many types of antibiotics that will work for different types of bacteria, okay? And also, let me first say that I'm not a doctor or any medical professional, so I'm just passing on information that I've heard, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be, um, you know, battling this, but this is information that I've gotten from medical professionals, okay, from medical research. So first of all, I think that having synthetic antibiotics it's a good idea if you can get some extra synthetic antibiotics and store them appropriately, which some say fridge, some say freezer, some say in a, in a vacuum seal bag in the fridge or freezer. Um, medications do tend to last a little bit longer in like a cold environment. So if you can just put it in the fridge, I probably would not put it in the freezer, but put it in the fridge and it could last a little bit longer. Um, you know, like in a vacuum seal bag in the fridge is probably the best way to go. Now, if you can get like extra supplies, a lot of people can't get that extra supplies and that's totally fine too. Um, a lot of people, preppers very specifically say that they're just going to go out and get fish antibiotics. Now, fish antibiotics are the most similar to the type of antibiotics that humans take. However, self-prescribing any synthetic antibiotic, such as fish antibiotics or the, the prescribed antibiotics from a doctor, is, is really playing a dangerous game. You really don't want to take antibiotics if you absolutely don't have to. And you also need to know when to take the antibiotics. What form of disease or bacteria are you fighting? Okay? Okay. Can you self-diagnose, oh, I have this bacterial disease, you know, that I can fight off with this antibacterial. Can you seriously self-diagnose yourself? That, I think, is the biggest problem. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't really feel comfortable self-diagnosing myself besides, oh, my throat is a little scratchy. I have a little stuffy nose. That's about it, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know, I can diagnose certain symptoms, but as far as certain symptoms go, I can't really go too much further than that. You know, I think, you know, you could probably be safe to diagnose, you know, maybe pneumonia or something like that, you know, because those have very specific symptoms. But how are then you going to self-treat yourself? So how, 
uh, what type, first of all, what type of antibiotic are you going to use? Because there are many different types of antibiotics. Second, uh, the, the many, hold on, the many different types of antibiotics will treat different types of bacteria. Okay. Second, how long are you going to take the antibiotics? Because again, depending on the bacteria, the type of antibiotic that you take and everything will dictate how long you take the antibiotics. And also you can't just be taking antibiotics willy nilly because that will, antibiotics do actually compromise your immune system. So if you take them like all the time, you know, if the doctors are just throwing antibiotics at you, that can actually cause a lot worse problems. Okay. So you really only want to take the synthetic antibiotics only when you absolutely have to. Okay. So matching the right antibiotic to the right illness is crucial in this sense. You know, and we also have to understand that each drug comes with its own side effects. So if you take the wrong antibiotic for the wrong bacteria, then it could either not be effective at all, or it could be giving you serious side effects because it's not treating what you need it to treat, right? So also one last thing, I think that this is very confusing to a lot of people. Antibiotics do nothing for a virus. So, you know, I've heard like a lot of people talk about um, uh, storing antibiotics because of the coronavirus. Antibiotics won't do anything for the coronavirus. Will do nothing for a virus. However, it could treat other symptoms that the virus may bring about, such as bacterial pneumonia. However, you have to know that you actually have pneumonia and what types of antibacterial or antibiotics will cure, essentially cure that, you know, take care of that bacterial infection. Okay. So, um, you know, if you have a virus, some sort of virus, I'm not even talking about the coronavirus, but some sort of virus, you need some sort of antiviral medication, excuse me. So I'm going to talk about alternatives to antibiotics first. And then I'm going to talk about some alternatives, natural, these are natural alternatives to antibiotics and antivirals. And um, even in nature, there are certain natural things that will do very specific things. Like for instance, for the first one's going to be cranberries. So cranberries are really great for bladder infections. I'm sure you've heard this, right? If you consume cranberries, you can clear the, the bacteria really quickly. So cranberry juice is preferred in this state, but you can't eat just straight cranberries. Um, and also just consuming cranberries on a regular basis can help keep you regular and healthy and keep that um, you know, keep you from getting a bladder infection. But, you know, there's lots of other, you know, there's actually specific ways that you're getting a bladder infection, you know, so um, you may also want to look into the reasons why you're getting a bladder infection, right? Um, the next one is going to be tea tree. So tea tree essential oil is a topical treatment. Um, tea tree is great for so many different things. Tea tree essential oil I have around, I've used it to, um, combat. Now, I've used it in my bug spray. I've used it topically um, on my face for like uh, pimples. Um, and more specifically though, tea tree is really, really good for fungal infections. 
Um, if you put it topically on the fungal infection, um, then it works really, really well to, uh, to get rid of that. Um, so when you do apply tea tree oil directly to your skin, just make sure that you're doing it really, you know, be gentle with it and use it kind of sparingly. You know, if you want to use it at once a day or something, you know, a couple times a day, that's fine, but it can really easily dry out your skin. So just be really aware of that. Okay. Next one is going to be, um, Artemisia. I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, to be quite honest. Artemisia works through the bloodstream to administer health and strength to bodily cells. Artemisia is a plant. It's a, it's a, it's a plant. Um, its active ingredient is artemisinin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm butchering this. Uh, and it works against strains of Staphylococcus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Staphylococcus aureus. My goodness, I'm butchering this. <laughs> Malaria, liver disease, cancer, MRSA, and epilepsy. Uh, there are several different family members, including sagebrush, sagebrush, mugwort, tarragon, wormwood, and sagewort. Also, did you know that absinthe, the liquor, the alcoholic beverage absinthe, is made from artemisia? So drink up. Absinthe is actually a great antibacterial drink, and but it is liquor. So keep that in mind, you know, if you want to take a shot of it, you know, I, I would, if I were diagnosing myself with that, I would just take like, you know, a shot of it, or, you know, a day or something. I really wouldn't be that crazy with it. Um, okay. The next one's going to be oregano. Oregano's most active ingredient, carvacol, again, probably mispronouncing, has been shown to be stronger than many of the antibacterial medications, you know, penicillin, streptomycin, and one of the most powerful synthetic antibiotics, vancomycin. <sighs> I'm not a doctor, a medical professional, y'all, okay? Um, oregano is a broad-use antibiotic. It will destroy any bacteria that approaches. Make a nice cup of tea with oregano by adding one and a half teaspoon oregano leaves to eight ounces of hot slash warm water and one teaspoon honey. All right, mint offers a wide variety of antibacterial benefits. The mint family consists of thyme, sage, rosemary, lavender, basil, peppermint, and spearmint. If you create a tea with any mixture of the above herbs, you're in antibacterial heaven. All right, next one's going to be garlic. Oh. Garlic is amazing. Who doesn't love garlic? Garlic is known for its antibacterial and abilities. It helps reduce inflammation and reduces the risk of hypertension and stroke. Add garlic to everything. Um, okay, vitamin C. Vitamin C is always great to stay healthy. However, uh, foods rich in vitamin C have been proven to contain antibacterial properties. Fruits such as strawberries, lemons, limes, pineapples, melons, and oranges are all packed with vitamin C. And then we have vegetables such as broccoli, tomatoes, spinach, kale, and cabbage, which are vitamin-rich foods. All right, the next one is going to be horseradish. Some bacteria can be transmitted through the food we eat. So when you use horseradish with the food you eat, it kills the bacteria before it even enters the, battery, the body. 
how I messed that up. It was supposed to be like really dramatic. And then it kills the bacteria before it even enters the body. Okay, so horseradish is really good. If you get the horserad- horse uh, horseradish, it's actually a, a root. Um, so if you get the actual root and then like grind it up yourself and put it all on, on your food, good stuff. But you could just get horseradish, you know, any way you want already ground, whatever. Um, but horseradish is good. Just put it on your food and, uh, pretty good. So those are some alternatives. Again, I do have a blog post on my website and you can go actually take a look a little bit closer on that. But, uh, there are also plenty of other alternatives to antibiotics. Those are just my favorite and probably most accessible to people, most known, you know, easiest for people to, get their hands on like garlic, you know, vitamin C, horseradish, these things are easily available. Now, when it comes to alternatives to antivirals, um, there, I'm going to be mentioning a few and some of these, you know, you may not be able to get your hands on and some of these you're definitely going to be able to get. So, um, olive leaf can be used in tea together with mint Um, it is most often used in the treatment of flu, common cold and herpes. So add a little olive leaf with some mint and some warm water. Boom. Got yourself some nice antiviral herb. Um, so the balm from lemon leaf is another herb rich in antiviral properties. It is used in the treatment of stomach upset and skin infections when applied topically. So again, this would be another topical one, kind of like the tea tree oil for antibiotics. You can make an infusion um, for oral application with hot water. It is believed to be unsuitable for use during pregnancy. Also, that's another thing we really have to keep in mind about antivirals and antibiotics. Um, The synthetic ones specifically should not ever be used when pregnant. Um, I don't really care if it's all natural, you know, it's, um, it's really important for us to understand that pregnant women really can't take anything, you know, and, and and also it kind of transfers into nursing as well. You have to be really careful with antibiotics and antivirals with nursing. This natural stuff I wouldn't be so worried about, but the synthetic stuff, yes, but some natural stuff like this balm from lemon leaf, you have to be concerned, so... Um, Anyway, adding ginger to tea and meals not only makes it tastier, but it is also known to prevent and reduce the time required for common cold to disappear. It also relieves sore throat and chest pains. When mixed with honey, it is a powerful herb in treating flu and reducing sore throat. It can also be ground or cut into tiny pieces and added to hot water. Ginger is amazing. Okay. So cayenne pepper is undoubtedly one of the world's most powerful herbs. It has numerous medical values, one being the treatment and relief of the common flu, sore throat, stomach upset, and prevention of formation of other pathogens such as fungi. It is added to food as a spice. Cayenne pepper. Okay, let's see. Bilberry is not only used for its culinary activities, it is actually a strong medicinal herb. It is used in the treatment of disorders occurring in the gastrointestinal tract and circulatory complications. The juice from the fruit is drunk in a cup full or half full. It is sweet, therefore you don't need 
to add any sweetening agents, as is the case with other herbs. So bilberry. Chili. Chili has been used in traditional folk medicine in um, Asian countries like India. It is used in the management of herpes and other respiratory tract infections. It is used in food or applied topically by adding water, by adding to water or milk and is among the most commonly used spices in the world. So yeah, when I'm talking about chili, I'm talking about the spice, not the not the delicious meal chili. <laughs> uh, so garlic, again, garlic pops up again. Not only is it great for antibiotics, but um, garlic is an undisputed traditional medicine. It is used as a remedy for several ailments, including warts, flu, and common cold. Chewing on raw garlic is said to help patients with high blood pressure. Most people use garlic in food, though it leaves a smell that doesn't go away easily. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm actually reading this from one of my books. <laughs> I can't believe they would say that. It's such a weird thing to say. All right, so then there's aloe vera. Did you know that aloe vera can be administered orally or topically, and it's deemed very effective? All right, the roots, leaves, seeds, and berries of the elderberry tree are used in treating common cold and flu. Due to the high level of cyanide present in the plant, you have to boil it fully before using it as medicine. Now, I'm sure you've heard elderberry being thrown around like a lot. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in stores as a natural alternative, especially for kids. Um, When we were looking for cold remedies and such for um, our our child who uh, was under two at the time and you really can't find any cold medications for kids under two or really I know it's under four she was three she was three so no she was two and a half she's two and a half okay sorry <laughs> I had to really think there because now you know there are a lot of medications that are for four plus anyway um I digress <laughs> um I uh, was finding cold medications for my daughter, who was around two and a half, and all I could find was this stuff with elderberry. And so I gave it to her, but with elderberry, you really have to use it, um, you can use it a couple ways. You can use it as a preventative. You can take like a teaspoon uh, once a day to use it as a preventative. And then when you get sick, if you get sick, you up your intake of the elderberry like a couple times a day, two or three times a day to um, prevent the symptoms, to calm down the symptoms, that kind of thing. Now, I took elderberry for a long time. And when I got sick when I was pregnant, I continued to take elderberry and I upped my intake like two or three times a day. And unfortunately, it didn't work. It didn't reduce the symptoms. It did not help me feel better at all. I, you know, I've had that type of sickness before and I knew what to compare it to and it didn't reduce the symptoms. It didn't reduce the days that I was sick, nothing. So then I did more research on elderberry and it comes, come to find out that elderberry is actually not effective on some people. And then I got to thinking, well, you know what? So is a lot of stuff. A lot of this natural stuff or you know, a lot of the synthetic stuff just isn't going to work for everybody. You have to understand that when you take something, it doesn't, it's not going to be, first of all, an instant miracle cure just because it's herbal or all natural. And second of all, um, it, 
certain things will not work for certain people. You have to be very specific about the type of medication and the type of things that will work for certain people. Just because one person takes elderberry doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't try it? No, not at all. Try it. Give it ample time and really weigh how you feel or how you think that it's working. So all I'm saying is be realistic, be cautious. And, you know, if you're really unfamiliar with something, do your due diligence and really do your research with anything before you use it. You know, I've done my research on this stuff and the stuff that I recommend is the stuff that I feel most comfortable, you know, recommending. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the end of the antibacterial and antiviral. Now, there are plenty of other antibacterial and antiviral stuff, um, medic, you know, natural medications. Um, but again, do your due diligence to do your own research. Don't just listen to my podcast or read my blog posts and then just assume that that's gospel. Okay, I'm spreading information that I have read and um, now I'm you know, sharing with you and, you know, in the hopes that you too will go and do your own research and your due diligence and make sure that this is going to be right for you. But honestly, you know, um, you know, look at the side effects of everything. You know, lots of people are allergic to things. You may find out that you're allergic to something. Who knows? Oh, one last thing I want to mention about elderberry is that unless you make the elderberry yourself, um, the elderberry that you buy in stores is sometimes packed with sugar. Um, so that's another consideration you want to make. You know, just because you're taking a cold medication doesn't mean you want to take something that's just packed with sugar, right? And that was another consideration with my child as well. You know, I saw this stuff. I took it I, for, honestly, I normally read labels like super hard. And then... Um, Again, before you consume anything or put anything in your body or your child's body, really do your research um, and then make an informed decision, okay? <laughs> um, there's op opinions of anti and pro of everything and you just want to make sure that uh, you're getting the most informed decision. Don't go to some mom blog, try to get information, you know, based on opinion. You want to look at facts, um, and even sometimes some scientific research is not always perfect. Okay, sometimes they don't do enough scientific research. And then sometimes, you know, a lot of people go off the FDA, but the FDA is so loose and lax with their restrictions and, you know, what they deem as good or not good. So you can't even trust the FDA sometimes. Um, so, you know, that's why doing your own research is really important. So anyway, um, I hope that this has been really helpful. And I'm not trying to discourage you from doing anything. I'm not anti-synthetic, antibacterial, you know, um, antibiotics is what I mean. I'm not anti, I'm not anti-antibiotics. <laughs> um, I'm just, you know, when it comes to prepping, we do sometimes have to think about alternatives. And a lot of those alternatives are natural stuff. You know, what did people do before these synthetic antibiotics? They use these natural remedies. Nature really can provide in many different ways. And there are lots of natural resources that can, that work really well, that have a lot of great benefits for us. And, um, you know, it's just important for us to start kind of leaning more in that direction you know, more 
trying to find the suitable natural stuff that's that w- that actually works for us first of all and that we can actually get a hold of maybe grow ourselves or that we can naturally find out in nature um you know this is the same thing with like wild edibles there's a whole bunch of wild edibles out there that um have extremely great sources of nutrition but they're just ignored because it's like you know, you have to harvest it weird, like it's from a yucca or something, you know, or <laughs> it's some kind of weird plant that you're like, <laughs> I'm not going to harvest that, right? Um, cactus actually has great nutrients, but people tend not to eat spiky things, right? You just take the spikes off and it's fine. I've eaten cactus. It's great. Uh, honestly, seriously, I've eaten, um, I've cut open a cactus. You put some hot, I think I said this in my last podcast, didn't I? You cut open the cactus, you put some hot water in there, you boil it. Oh, it's so refreshing. Just a wonderful cactus tea. Oh, it was, it was seriously one of the most refreshing things I have ever eaten. It was wonderful. Or eaten, drank, drinking, drunk. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast here. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. Stay well, stay safe. Just remember, this too shall pass. Talk to y'all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Ask questions, never stop learning, and stay prepared. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. See you next week.